Hello and welcome to Treatland. This is the podcast where you, the listener, share your favorite food memories from childhood. We'll be playing your audio clips and reading your stories, and we'll definitely be sharing a few of our own along the way. Each episode has its own food-related theme. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Treatland episode number nine. This episode is about drinks, and we're going to get right into our stories today. In the late 60s and early 70s, a drink I really liked was called Funny Face. What is it, you may ask? Well, it was Pillsbury's version of Kool-Aid. They were competing with Kraft Foods at the time, and they came up with a brand called Funny Face. Again, it was flavor packets you poured in water, just like Kool-Aid. Different company, though, different brand. What made it stand out, besides the fact that whatever they used in Funny Face was much sweeter than Kool-Aid ever was, if you can believe that, were the names of the different flavors. Instead of strawberry, grape, you know, the usual blah, blah, boring stuff, and just the boring Kool-Aid packages with a big picture with a Kool-Aid guy, they had a character for each flavor. It was just brilliant. And that's why I would tell mom and dad when we would go to the store, I want that. It was the packaging. And I was too young at the time to realize, oh, God, these are awful drinks. But, again, the packaging was what made the drink special. You had rootin' tootin' raspberry, freckle-faced strawberry, loudmouth lime, engine orange, Chinese cherry, and a bunch of other names. There was one, I think, what was the weird one? Lefty lemon lime was funny. And pistol pink lemonade. There were several. They had about 13 flavors. Those are the ones that I remember. Again, it was really big in the late 60s, early 70s. Problem was, it never got big enough and eventually faded from the market. But it was a nice attempt at competing. And I'm guessing that Pillsbury realized, hey, this is not the tastiest beverage, but there is a market out there that could compete with um, Kool-Aid. So let's just try it and see what happens. So was there knockoff, we'll use the word knockoff version of Kool-Aid, but it was, yeah, it was bad. I don't like Kool-Aid either, but it was bad. However, they sold me on the packaging and the signage. The commercials you can still find on YouTube, the commercials are hilarious. So they did spend a lot of money on packaging and commercials, but sadly, the drink just didn't have the staying power that Kool-Aid did and eventually faded, like a lot of nice things, into oblivion. Growing up in the 90s, especially at my folks' place, sugary drinks were plentiful. I'm pretty sure it was comedian Pete Holmes that said, I didn't drink water until I was in my 20s, and I definitely relate to that. When I would get up early in the morning for school, I would often pour myself a glass of pop just to get the day started. Different times. Since there was myself and my two siblings in the house, the most cost-effective way to keep us happy with sugary drinks was packs of Kool-Aid. My mom would buy gallon jugs of orange juice, and when they were empty, she would wash them out and they would become our Kool-Aid jugs. We would put in two packets of Kool-Aid mix, two cups of sugar, and then fill it up with water to a line my mom would draw on the jug. The only problem was these massive juice jugs did not fit under the faucet in the kitchen sink. So in order for us to make our Kool-Aid, we would have to use the faucet in the bathtub. 
That's right. We would fill up the Kool-Aid jug in the bathtub. When friends were over when we'd mix up some Kool-Aid, you'd definitely get some odd looks taking the jug into the bathroom. We went through a phase of having lemon drop martinis. My friend was making them. And, like, maybe we'd have one, you know, just, like, casually. And when we were out or something. And then she had a party. And it went on for hours. (laughs) And we had, I don't know, too many lemon, lemon drop martinis. And I didn't know what was in them, except that they were really tart and sweet and delicious. Um, and I, I don't know how many I had, but the next day my teeth were so sore, like as if I had eroded all the enamel off of them. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like straight lemon juice and sugar. And I normally don't eat that or drink that. (laughs) And I, I, uh, my teeth were sore all day and I, I, I didn't have, I haven't had one since (laughs) because it was so painful but they were very delicious, and uh, I don't know if it was worth it or not, but maybe we'll just stick to, like, one, you know? Anyway, little beverage story. The first story today comes from Mark, my coworker in Columbus, Ohio. The second story is from Jamie Dean, who's in a band, and he's living in London, Ontario. And the third story is from Julie Zach. She is a graphic design professor in Buffalo, New York. One of my absolute favorite drinks from childhood was Pepsi Blue, and that came out in 2002. And I remember my parents had just gotten a divorce, and it was probably my worst year of middle school. It was just a really depressing summer, and we'd go over to my dad's on a Friday or Saturday. He would always entice us by ordering pizza, or we'd go out to some really nice restaurant that nice in our minds was just good food, didn't really matter what the atmosphere was. And I remember this one particular summer night, he brought home Pepsi, and it was this beautiful blue color, and we had it with our pizza for the very first time. And it was so good. My brother and I fell in love immediately. And it kind of tasted like a blue raspberry freezy pop. Very refreshing, but also very sweet. For whatever reason, it tasted really good with the pizza that night. And so usually on a Saturday morning or afternoon, my dad would reheat the leftovers for us. He always wanted us to drink milk with our pizza the next day. He thought, you know, you need to get something nutritious in, but really pizza with milk. uh, I don't think that was the healthiest either. So I just remember the next day my brother and I wanted to drink the rest of that Pepsi Blue. And it just became something that every weekend my dad was picking up Pepsi Blue for us and we loved it. It was a great memory between the three of us at the time. Another memory I have is of a punch that you would see at different parties growing up. And it was usually in a big clear bowl. There would be a big ladle in it. I believe it was made out of sherbet, orange juice, and 7-Up. So it was frothy and fizzy, almost like a root beer float, but of a punch variety. And so, like, they'd take the big ladle and ladle it into these cups and give it to all the kids at whatever 
birthday party was going on. And that stuff was addictive. I remember drinking so much of it. It was very filling to the carbonation of it, plus the extra bit of ice cream in there. It was almost like a dessert. So another drink memory I have is something kind of similar, and it was like a concoction of orange juice and ginger ale that I'm not sure who started that. It might have been just my mom believing that ginger ale is good for when you don't feel well and maybe hearing that it's good with orange juice. But for whatever reason, she started mixing them. And we would always have Werner's ginger ale in the house and also a carton of orange juice. And I would do half and half. And it felt as if it was a grown-up drink. Like, I felt like I was drinking a cocktail. I just loved feeling like this was some kind of fancy drink, perfect for summer, and was super refreshing. Some of my earlier memories about beverages that I liked, um, I have quite a few. I remember... A key memory is my brothers and I, my mom would take us to um, various fast food restaurants. So we loved all the McDonald's and Burger Kings that had those big play palaces. Those are always so exciting. And we would make um, drinks. Like we would go to this, the soda fountain and we would like compete to like see who could mix all the different flavors and then drink it and see who's tasted the worst and the best. And that was always fun to make those concoctions. And I think in general with beverages, when I was younger, it was always fun to like explore and concoct different little like juice cocktails with like, you know, milk and juice and all these different things and make each other drink it, my brothers and I. So those are always fun and funny. And also what really sticks out is some of like those kid drinks that honestly, like if I go to a friend's house who has kids, I'll still drink it like a Capri Sun or I don't even think they make them anymore, but squeeze it. Like that just sticks out in my brain where like if I saw those as a kid, I was just like, oh my gosh, like my brain just lit up and I was like, I have to have that. They were so good. They're like so squeezable. Uh, yeah. And just any real juice, juice boxes were always delicious, but my mom always gave us the healthy ones. So I always loved when friends had the squeeze it's and the more sugary ones. So growing up in the eighties and nineties, we actually saw a lot of different soft drinks and sodas kind of hit the market. Um, but when it comes to stories about these three really come to mind for me that made a huge impact on me. The first one was obviously the Crystal Clear Pepsi. I can remember when that came out. I'm sure a lot of people will talk about that one, but it was like a game changer. It almost made it seem like a healthy soda. You know, you don't see any chemicals in here. It's clear. And I remember at my middle school at the time, we had like these two soda machines right outside the cafeteria and they had changed out the Pepsi one. When they put a new Pepsi one in, the Pepsi Crystal Clear was like the big logo on the front of those vending machines. I'm sure you remember that. There's always like this one either Pepsi logo or this one was a crystal clear Pepsi logo and it had crystal clear Pepsi like as one of the choices. And I think they had diet crystal clear Pepsi and then diet Pepsi and Pepsi all the way down. So of course in middle school, like we were getting that all the time and uh, just such a cool memory um, back then for that soda, which at the time I thought this was here to stay. But it obviously wasn't. 
The next one is another soda that was put out, I believe, by Coca-Cola called OK Soda in like the mid to late 90s. Uh, my friends and I like loved it so much. And when we found out it was actually getting discontinued. I remember going to the grocery store with my friend Mark and like buying like every case we could find. So we had some leftover after that thing was long gone. And man, I miss that so much. It kind of had like a unique taste. Like I feel like I can still taste it, but I can't really put my finger on what it tastes like. But yeah, OK Soda was the bomb. And the last one obviously was Surge. When that came out in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel like that was just a game changer as well. Um, being a big fan of like lemon lime sodas, like even things like Mountain Dew, uh, Surge was just next level. And to be honest, it kind of came and went. I remember McDonald's always had it because that's where I used to get it a lot. But recently, if anybody does not know, Burger King actually brought it back. So if you go to your Burger King right now, they do have Surge in their uh, soft drink machine. So definitely something to check out if you're a big fan of that. Slurpees are and always will be the drink of my childhood. There was a 7-Eleven two blocks down from the house I grew up in. It was across the street from the library and the police station, and it was next door to the laundromat. My mom always got me a cherry mix with either pina colada or banana, but never Coca-Cola flavored Slurpee. I remember playing outside in my yard and my mom poking her head out the back door and asking me, do you want to go get a Slurpee? That was such an amazing thrill for me as a kid. Slurpees are different from their counterparts of Icy, which are too smooth, Slush Puppy, which are too jagged, or the most recent blast from Taco Bell, too watery. Slurpee was different. Slurpee was the king of the blended ice beverages. Sure, there were times when I would cheat on Slurpee. A cherry Icy at Target with my grandparents, a blue raspberry Icy to wash down my Sour Patch Kids at the movies, but it was always because Slurpees are only available at 7-Eleven, and 7-Eleven aren't all over like they are in California. Whenever I was sick as a kid, my mom always knew it was important for me to stay hydrated, and she knew that a Slurpee was what I needed. Fast forward two decades later, when I was pregnant and I had morning sickness very, very bad. I couldn't keep any food down. And I guess subconsciously my body knew what I needed was a Slurpee, but I couldn't get one. See, I lived in Florida and there were no 7-Elevens, so I had to settle for a Circle K Icy or the hilariously named Alligator Ice, whose cup featured an anthropomorphic alligator wearing a 1970s white pimp hat, which was Florida's answer to a slush puppy. These beverages did not come close to my beloved childhood favorite drink. Now that I'm back living in California, I can get a Slurpee whenever I want, and the flavors span further from just cherry, Coca-Cola, banana, and pina colada. Also, it should be noted that 7-Eleven, or July 11th, is free Slurpee Day, so I will be there for that for sure. Of course, I can't write something about Slurpee without quoting Loonies, the makers behind the Bay Area 1995 smash hit Five on it. Suck up that dank like a Slurpee. These are words that I live by. In the summer of 2002, Pepsi put a lot of money into an entirely new product that didn't really work. It was a very super hyped product, and it ended up being a flop. Uh, I'm talking about Pepsi Blue, the fluorescent soda that looked more like antifreeze than an actual beverage. It lasted only from 2002 to 2004, and you can even find it in places like Indonesia and sometimes uh, Germany. Uh, it was kind of a berry cola 
It was meant to compete with vanilla Coke at the time. Um, it's just a very strange thing that this was their big move. Uh, they went ham with this as far as the marketing. They were trying to appeal to kids, uh, teens who actively <laughs> would probably like this blue soda, kind of like myself. And they used a fake guerrilla marketing campaign. Uh, it really left a bitter taste in some people's mouths. They, they were just trying to drum up any interest they could. So they put this like multi, multi million dollar campaign with Britney Spears and she advertised the beverage and drank it. Uh, they did a spot with Papa Roach. Believe it or not, Pepsi Blue um, appeared as a part of a marketing push in the film The Italian Job and Garfield the movie. And part of the reason that the Berry Cola might have been so unpopular was uh, it's made with food coloring, blue number one, uh, known as brilliant blue by those who work as chemists, <laughs> chemistry majors on these uh, brands. It's pretty crazy. But in all honesty, uh, they banned blue number one in quite a few countries due to health concerns. It is, however, still available in the United States. They still use it. So there's that. Go America. Um, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, I went out of my way to get Pepsi Blue. I ended up getting a six pack of the 20 ounces. And I think just like a lot of things at that point in my life, I was kind of lying to myself. I'm like, this is really good. This isn't bad at all. But it was really kind of terrible. And there's a reason that Pepsi Blue didn't stick around. Uh, we've talked about this before on Treatland as far as people having adverse uh, health effects because of these blue dyes. People got headaches, migraines. It's crazy. But there is a reason that the beverage only lasted, uh, I guess, two years, 2002 to 2004. RIP pour out a little vanilla Coke, which seemed to last a lot longer than uh, the unfaded or I should say ill-fated Pepsi Blue. The fourth story you heard today is my story, and I'm Rebecca. I have a page on Instagram called Retroplex. There's an underscore at the end of it, and I curate my own feed full of nostalgic images, mostly from 70s, 80s, and 90s. The fifth story you heard today is from Whitney Walker, who has her own podcast called The Women Waken Podcast. The sixth story today is from Garrett, who is born to be read on Instagram. The seventh story is from Angel, who's Angel Sunlight on Instagram and also has her own YouTube station. The eighth story today is from Gerald, who is Jerry Horror on Instagram. Summertime holidays. Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. Days of remembrance. Yet all I really remember are the food and drinks. Hot dogs, burgers, corn on the cob, fresh fruit, and my favorite, the ice-cold tub of no-name cans of pop floating in near-freezing water. Grape, cherry, orange, the names were shockingly simple. Occasionally, we'd even have the ultimate in soda pop, the smooth glass bottles from Consumers Beverages. I love these so much. From the feel of the glass to the rolled lip of the bottle, these were just fun to drink. Being in clear bottles, you didn't need a name on it to tell what it was. It was red, green, orange, brown, or clear. There was even white, which was like a pina colada flavor that looked particularly cool. 
Fresh from the icy depths of the cooler, there was nothing better. Another memory I have associated with Pop took place on a little family getaway to the Finger Lakes. My dad let me bring my best friend along. We stayed in a cool lakeside hotel and explored every possible inch. In our explorations, I discovered that the locked conference room doors would open right up if I pulled on both handles at once. Inside, there was a fully stocked bar. Being 15 and still naive, we skipped all the booze and went straight for the Pop. There were two fully functional soda fountains with the usual options. We each filled two pitchers and went on our journey, further exploring the hotel. We made many trips back to our little gold mine, leaving partially full pitchers all over the place. When we finally decided to go back to the room, we had to get two more for the road. There was no sleeping that night. I remember my dad yelling at us around 3 a.m. because we were still crazy from all the sugar and caffeine. One of my favorite drinks growing up, and still one of my favorites now, is Agua de Jamaica, which is hibiscus water. My mom would usually have two homemade jugs in the fridge during the summer, but you have to be careful which one you got, because one had sugar and the other one didn't. Don't know if you know how bitter sugarless hibiscus water is, and it's crazy bitter. I remember a few times filling up a cup full of ice and then some of the hibiscus water, only to find out that there was no sugar in it at all. Not fun, not tasty at all. When I would get the right jug, it would just hit the spot perfectly on a nice summer day. There was even times my parents would buy a giant block of ice and make snow cones for the family and use the agua de jamaica as the flavoring. Those were the great days. Those were some fun summer evenings, and even the neighbors came around to get some. Well, hope you enjoyed my story, and I highly recommend Agua de Jamaica whenever you get a chance, especially when you get some tacos. The drink memories. Uh, as a kid of the late 80s, early 90s, I would be foolish not to mention Hasi Ecto Cooler. And as a massive Ghostbusters fan, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting in a recording booth in my basement surrounded by Ghostbusters memorabilia that I've collected and still collect to this day, replica proton packs, traps, you name it, but I'm not going there. I do miss it. And I'm glad they brought it back a couple years ago and they may bring it back when the new Ghostbusters film is released this year or next, but I'm going to go with early 2000s, there were three drinks in the early 2000s that I still miss to this day. And um, it's three Cokes. Now, not the brand Coke. Well, one of them is. I'm from the South, so everything is a Coke. It's not pop. It's not soda. None of that crap. We call it Coke. You ask a waitress for a Coke, then they're like, okay, what flavor? Then you say Dr. Pepper, Pepsi. Even everything's a Coke. Anywho, uh, first of all is Coca-Cola black. Now, some of you may remember this. It did not do well in America. It blew up in Europe, but it was Coke with black coffee in it. And I absolutely, I mean, was obsessed with this crap. It was only around for like two years, 2006 to 2008, I believe. And, um, I couldn't get enough of this 
Like I wasn't a big coffee drinker, but this literally made me become a massive coffee drinker because I just couldn't get enough of it. And to this day, I drink like two pots of coffee because I had so much Coca-Cola black when I was um, in my younger 20s, early 20s. Uh, the other drink is Sprite Remix. Now, I you, I guarantee you other people will bring this up. It was one of the best Sprite flavors ever. And on top of it, McDonald's had it in their fountain. So you could go get a 20-piece nugget and just drink all the Sprite Remix you could until you just passed out. It was a great time to be alive in the early 2000s, drink-wise. And um, I just remember my friends being obsessed with that, too. And when they took it away, we would try to concoct our own concoctions out of the fountain drinks to mix it, to make it real close to the flavor. My friend came super close, and we, he actually wrote down the recipe. But, yeah, that was great. But um, And this one's a big, obscure one. It was literally only around for a year. Nobody liked it. But I absolutely adored it. Me and my friend would go to stores trying to find it. It's a soda, a Coke. Sorry, I just betrayed my uh, Southern lineage there. But it is a Basobi called Mr. Green. Now, this was a straight up Dr. Pepper knockoff, but it tasted more like Mr. Pibb. And if you're a Coke snob like me, you know the difference between Mr. Pibb and Dr. Pepper. Number one, Mr. Pibb's better. There, I said it. Fight me. Because it has cinnamon and cherry in it. Way better. And we didn't have Mr. Pibb in my part of the, the country. I grew up in Mississippi. We had not not a lot of anything. But Mr. Pibb wasn't sold down there. In my part, anyways. And this was the closest thing we had to it. Now, you'd go to a restaurant and there'd be Mr. Pibb in the fountain. It was rare. But it did happen from time to time. And Mr. Green was Mr. Pibb out in the stores. And it was green. They put a ton of green food coloring in it. And it had ginseng in it, if I believe. Because it was Sobe, so their stuff is quote-unquote healthy. But it was still a, a Coke. But yeah, you have Mr. Pibb with tons of green food coloring in it. It made you poop all kinds of funny colors. It Man, it was a great time. I mean, we lit, like me and my friends would literally exchange bottles of it for Christmas. We loved it so much. And it was just good times. Uh, late teens, early 20s, whenever that came out. I mean, I think that was the year 2000, maybe 2001, 2. And it, like I said, it was only around for one year. And then it was gone because apparently everyone hated it. But we would buy that crap up every time we saw it. And it was getting harder and harder to find. And, um, yeah, that was just a good time. We would sneak it into the movie theaters. So we thought we were doing something. But, yeah. The ninth story today is from Michael, who is living in western New York. And then the tenth story is from Jose, who is in Southern California. And our last story is from Doug Bell a horror film and baseball enthusiast. Thanks again to everyone that submitted their stories. If you would like to share your story with us, please email us at treatlandpod at gmail.com. 